Hey family, so good to be here. Thank you for having me as part of this wonderful series of generosity. And I want to talk today about generosity and uh, the Father's generosity to us, to call us His sons and daughters. And then how do we respond as God's sons and daughters in that generosity? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your work on the cross. Thank you that you broke the power of sin in our lives. And thank you that in your resurrection, you made us new people in you. That we are new creations, created to do good works. We pray, Lord, that we'd be people who do good works. Lord, let your good works of generosity flow out of our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So your church is focusing on transforming a region in Thailand called Umpang, and already you've started uh, committing to some children there, and that's so wonderful. We're going to see these children's lives just transformed by the gospel and, and the discipleship of their local churches, and we're going to raise up some Christian leaders who transform that region. So I want to thank you for having us, for, for partnering with Compassion, for launching this partnership together, for having Jane speak as well, and, and also responding so well to that, and thank you for having me today. Has anyone here been to Tasmania? Yes, a few of you. How good is it? It's amazing. My wife graduated. <laughs> Didn't go to the same place as me then. <laughs> I reckon Melbourne's a bit, uh, I feel like everyone's talking up Melbourne. I'm talking up Tassie. I've been to Melbourne. Tassie's way better. So I, I went to Tassie and I put down a list of the top 10 places in Tassie that I wanted to visit. And number one on the list was Wine Glass Bay. And I'm telling my dad, he's like, Steve, you can't go to Wine Glass Bay because your son's three years old and you've got to climb up this mountain to see the view. And then my bro goes, he's a real adventurer. He's like, Steve, you've got to do Wine Glass Bay. It's amazing. So we start out at the bottom and I'm with Pete and I'm like, Pete, we're going to climb Wine Glass Bay. It's going to be incredible. And I want you to try and make it all the way at the top without Daddy carrying you. Because whenever Pete's at the shopping center, as soon as he's tired, he's like, Daddy, carry me. And I don't want to carry Pete up a, up a mountain. So I'm like, Pete, you're a mountain crusher. You can crush this mountain. Listen to me. He's like, yeah, Daddy. And I'm really encouraging him. And then this, this walking group come past. And there's like 12 of them. And they're all wearing that, that active wear stuff they wear in Melbourne. Maybe that's why I don't like that's why I don't like Melbourne. I don't know. But they're wearing it, they've got their like their professional walking sticks, they're all excited, they've got their water bottles. And they're going off and they go right past us. And I'm like, uh oh, I'm gonna have to really encourage Pete. Petey, you can crush this mountain, you can do it. Imagine you got to the top and you could tell grandma and granddad that you climbed a mountain. And he's like, Yeah, and he's getting in him, and we're halfway up. I'm like, Pete, have a look at the view. You climbed halfway up. This is your mountain. Take it, my boy. He's like, I'll take it, Daddy. I'll take the mountain, Daddy. I'm like, you're going to take the mountain. And I'm feeling good because I'm not carrying my son up a mountain. <laughs> and we keep going up and we actually catch up to the walking group as we get to the top. And they turn around and they see us coming and they see little Pete. And they get their walking sticks like this. And they make an archway. And they clap Pete as he walks through the archway and he comes through. Oh, it's like, it's like Lord of the Rings. He was so cute. And he's got the little curly hair like Frodo. <laughs> take the ring, Petey, take the ring. And then he gets to the top and the view is incredible. But do you know what was more incredible than the view? 
It's that Petey crushed a mountain at the age of three. And that's some good father-son time. And you know, your father, he's walking beside you as well. And he's looking at you saying, my son, my daughter, let's do great things together. Let's go take some mountains. Let's go do some great things. And I want to share today with you about father-son time and father-daughter time, but not with your earthly father, with your heavenly father. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, He then was resurrected. And in the resurrection, you were created as a new person in Christ. When you receive Christ, you're created in the resurrection as a new self. Your old self is now dead and left, buried at the cross. And you are a new creation. And that new creation is you are God's child. It's who you are. And as He created you in the resurrection, you were actually created for good works. You were made to do good works. It's who you are. God's children are made to do good works. It's the most wonderful life we can live is to just be ourselves as God's children. Jesus tells this great story. And I want to share with you today from my favorite chapter, Romans 8, and my favorite parable, Luke 15. And Jesus tells a story about two brothers. And the first brother, he says this, the, the, the younger brother. And he says to his father, I want to take all my inheritance and I want to go spend it on whatever I desire. And we look at him, we're like, oh, what a foolish, foolish, foolish son. But how often have we taken this life God's given us and just poured it out on whatever we desire? And you know what happens to him? As he pours his life out, whatever he desires, suddenly he's surrounded by poverty and he's surrounded by death. And Paul puts it this way in Romans 8, in verse 13. He says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. And that's exactly what happened to the son. When he went out and just did whatever his flesh desired, he was surrounded by death. And this happens to us. We just do whatever our flesh desires. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. I want to live. I want to live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Verse 15 says, The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit that you've received, the Spirit of God who you've received in Christ, does not make you slaves, but He has brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit now testifies with our spirit. So this new creation in Christ that you are is now one with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is testifying to you. You're God's child. You're God's child. You're God's child. You're a son. You're his daughter. It's who you are. The Holy Spirit is testifying this to you. Now, if we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation, I love this, the creation waits in eager expectation. Your family, your neighbors, the city, Applecross, Borragoon, Malville, all this area. Do you know what it's waiting for? 
For creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So just as you were created in Christ, a new creation, a son and a daughter, now creation is waiting. They want the same freedom. Your neighbours, this city, they want the same freedom. They're crying out. And you know what they need to see? What they want revealed to them is God's children. Because in you is the freedom of Christ that happened on the cross. That's how it's revealed to them. When we start to outwork and out and live out who we are as God's children, creation will take notice because they need the same freedom. We've all lived according to the flesh. But I want to tell you this, that your old life, your old self is now crucified with Christ. It is now buried with Him and you are born again and you are God's child. And this is my first point. Let your thought life, let the way you think, let your thought life be father, son, father, daughter time. I want you to think out of that place. When the rebellious son comes back to the father, look at how the father goes in energetically to change the way the son thinks. And right now we're going to read this passage and I want you to see that your father in heaven has great energy and wisdom and has lavished you in sonship. I want to see you right in the story. This is who you are. And if there's any area that you said, no, I am just a sinner separated from God. I'm nothing. I'm just, I'm just, I don't deserve anything. I want you to say, no, I'm God's child. This is who I am. And when you start to think from this place, where has your thinking stayed in your old life? Because I know I've done some rubbish in my life, but I ain't going to start thinking from there. I'm going to leave that on the cross. So it says this in Luke 15, verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. I just want to live in the father running to me as a son. That's where I want to think from. That's where I want to dream from. That's where I want to get my identity from. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Where in your thinking... Have you said to God, God, I'm no longer to be called, I'm no longer worthy to be called your daughter. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And we're not worthy. But in Christ, it's who we are. And we need to change our thinking. Where have you thought that? But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put, on, put it on him. That means you now look like his son. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. You are covered in daughtership. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son. I love this. And now declares who he is. This son of mine. And it's this my son. You are his daughter. You are his son. Was dead, but is alive again. He was lost, but is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. 
that music, who do you think was playing the instruments the loudest? It was the Father. Who do you think was singing the loudest? Who was the one leading the dancing? It was the Father rejoicing over the Son. And I want to think from this place that my Father rejoices over me as a son, that my Father is always singing over me, that my Father loves me and lavishes me in sonship. This is where I want to think from and dream from and live from. And I encourage you, think from a place of sonship. Let all your thinking be from daughtership. There's no room. Any thought that comes in, that's not that. Get rid of it. If I'm watching a movie, say I'm watching a movie with my wife, and then I'm watching it, and then I just get a thought. I know that thought is wrong, and it comes right into my mind. I'll stop following the movie, and in that very moment, I'll take that thought. That thought's not sonship, and I'll put it where it belongs, right there, buried at the cross. That thought's not mine. If it was a thought of just like lust, or like comparing, or insecurity, or slavery, I'll take that thought and I'll leave it and I'll put it right there. And then I'll look at my Father and the Spirit of God is one with my Spirit and the Spirit of God is testifying to me, Steve, you're God's Son, you're God's Son. And I'll listen to the Holy Spirit and I'll say, that's not my thought. My thought is sonship. And I'll say, Father, I want your thoughts. I want to think from you. And then I'll look at my wife and go, hey, Rossi, what's happening in the movie? I just missed like the last two minutes. And then she tells me what happened. But I don't want to go on and let any thought on my mind that is not sonship. I want to live in the fullness of sonship. I want to live in the joy of sonship. I want to live in the freedom that I want my mind to be in the joy of sonship all my days. I don't want to let a thought or something from a movie take that away for a moment. So I want to steward my thoughts with sonship. I, have a, I was at the table and, and my son was like sitting next to me on the other side of the table and I got my leg and, he, and I was like, and I had my leg right on his chair underneath and I was like, Petey, okay, I'm going to use the force. Let's see if I've got the force because he's got like the Lego Star Wars movie and I'm like, I'm going to try and use the force and see if I can push you and I was like, and then I just started sliding my foot and he's like, Daddy, it's working. I'm moving. I'm like, yes, Petey, I know. And then I got this pen and I balanced on the table. I was like, okay, let's see if I can move it. And I bumped the table with my knee. And it fell over. I was like, Daddy, it fell over. You've got the force. And then I said this. I said, Petey, I want you right now to imagine a big gray elephant. And he's like, I'm imagining a big gray elephant. I said, I have the force, my son. <laughs> and I planted that thought right in his head. But I tell you this, that your heavenly Father has got great thoughts for you that He wants to put in your mind and He wants you to think from this place of Father's sonship, Father daughtership, and they're in the Word. Get in the Word and change the way you think. Do you know how I read the Word? I don't read the Word as a student even though I've done a theology degree. I read it as a son. I look at my father in his face, in Christ, boldly before my father. I don't look intimidated because I know I have the blood of Jesus Christ has washed me clean. And I look at him in his eyes and the Spirit of God testifying to me saying, Steve, you're God's son. And I say, my father. And the Spirit of God flows through me. and He says, Abba, father. And I let that flow through me. I say, father, let's read the word. Change my thinking. And it's like, yes, yeah, son, let me change your thinking. I got some great thoughts for you. And he's got some incredible thoughts for you.
I look at the Father boldly and I say, Father, in this place of sonship, I want every thought about my family. I want every thought about my wife to be in this father-son place. Where have you let your thinking go? Where have you not stewarded your mind and you've left it in that place of rebellion? That Those thoughts leave them at the cross. Paul said this two chapters earlier. He said, consider yourself dead to sin, but alive in Christ. Your old self is buried and crucified with him. I believe that the creation is waiting for the children of God to be revealed. And if we're not thinking from a place of sonship and daughtership, they'll never see it revealed. If we're thinking from a place of slavery, they won't see it. My second point is this. Your neighbours, your community, your family, that lonely person on your street, that child out there on the table who isn't sponsored yet, they're waiting for you to minister to them out of your father, son, father, daughter relationship. Do you know what they don't want to see? Religion and fake love to try and convert them. Do you know what they do want to see? You having father, son time with your God, just lavishing them in love. And I want to share now about the second brother. And when you look at this brother, I want you to like this, the other brother, we looked at him and said, where in my life have I thought from a place of slavery? And, and, and where's my thinking being like that? Now I want to say, where in your life have you served God out of a place of slavery and not out of sonship? Because this is exactly what, he's, what he does. Luke 15 verse 25 says, meanwhile, the older brother was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. He's been slaving for God and he's been never disobeying him. It's his own righteousness. It's his own religion. Yet you've never given me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you have killed the fatted calf for him. And I love this. And this next verse, I have meditated on more than any other verse in the last couple of years. This verse has changed my thinking. I pray from this verse. And so I'm so excited to share it with you right now. Are you ready for a great verse? Anywhere where you being like you're slaving in religion and just being doing it out of condemnation. I want you to see this and this is how we serve God. And this is what the Father says. He says, my son, my daughter, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. The older brother said this, I've been slaving. And then the Father says, my son, my daughter. The older brother said, I refuse to go in. And the father said, I'm always with you. You're always with me. And the, fa- and the older brother says, you gave me nothing. And the father says this, everything I have is yours. My peace, my joy, my righteousness, my wisdom for your family, my love, the patience you need for this person that I've called you to minister to. It's yours. I've given you everything I have. What's your thought, thought, thought life like when it comes to your marriage and your family and serving them? Your thought life needs to be out of that father-son time. Not I'm slaving to serve my children. I'm slaving to disciple these people. I'm, no, no, no. It's me and the father 
having father-son time because he's always with me. I don't want to do any ministry in my life that's me slaving because it burns me out. But father-son time is wild. It's adventurous. It's fun. It's fruitful. It's enjoyable. And it's transformative. I asked my son, I said, Pete, what do you want to do when you're older? And he looked at me and he said, Daddy, I want to be a fireman. I said, why, Pete? He said, so I can drink out of the hose. I was like, my boy wants to be a fireman. He's going to fight some fires. No, nah, Daddy, just want to drink out of the hose. Pete, there's a fire. Wait, I'm just drinking out of the hose. I'll be there in a sec. And then he said, I want to be an army man, so I get to have a sword and a gun. And then he said this, I want to be a policeman, because then I get to have a laser gun. I don't know where he got that from. But listen to me, a policeman isn't a policeman, so he gets to have a laser gun. A policeman is a policeman because he has the law and he has justice and he wants to go fight crime. He doesn't want to be in his, in his house doing nothing when there's injustice happening because he's a policeman. And God has given you everything he has, his love, his peace, his joy, his wisdom. And he's saying, you're my son. Let's just not be in our homes doing nothing on our phones or watching TV. When outside, there's a creation saying, we want to see the sons of God revealed. We want to see what does freedom look like. And they're in need for freedom. But we can be like that policeman who's doing nothing but looking at his weapon. We're here just looking at, oh, God loves me. The Father loves me. And there's people out there who need to see sonship revealed, who need to see you coming up to them and spending time in that love and saying, I'm going to lay down my life for you. I'm going to pour out my life for you. I'm going to show you the freedom that I have in Christ. And you're going to see it. And guess what? You can have the same freedom because God wants to lavish it on you as well. You are God's children and God wants you to bring, God wants to bring his kingdom right through your life. Just as a policeman brings justice, listen to me, sons and daughters bring the kingdom of God because everything belongs to you as his children and he wants to pour his kingdom out through your life. You have an amazing, wonderful, powerful, incredible life to live. And it's not a life of sin and satisfying the, the flesh. It's a life of pouring out your sonship and sharing your father-son times with others so they can see that same freedom that we have in Christ. There are communities around you. There are people in your life who are in bondage and they need that same freedom. My father-son time looks like this. I look at my father boldly and I look at him and I say, and this is what he says to me. He says, Steve, my son, everything I have is yours. I'm always with you. And then I look back at my father boldly in Christ. I don't want to belittle what Christ has done on the cross. I want to stand in the fullness of sonship. I don't want to belittle what God's given me. I don't want to belittle the Holy Spirit saying, Steve, you're a son. I want to listen to him as he testifies to me and say, yes, Holy Spirit, I believe you. I am God's son. And I look boldly at my father and I say, my father, you're always with me and I'm always with you. Everything you've given me, everything you have is mine and I want to steward it. My Father, you're always with me. Everything you have is mine. I want to steward it in my family. My Father, everything you have is mine. Your love and your peace, your incredible peace that transforms a city is mine. I want to steward it. I want to steward it. I want to steward it, my Father. And He says to me, yeah, let's go have some father-son time. And we live a life poured out. And I encourage you that the Father is saying, hey, let's go take a mountain together. 
Let's go take a city together. Let's go take someone lonely and bring the freedom of Christ into them. And he's walking beside you saying, you can do it, my son, because I've made you. I've made you my child in Christ. It's who you are. When my wife walked down the aisle, she looked amazing. She was dressed up in her wedding gown. I was blown away. And she walked down the aisle boldly to love me. In the fullness of her beauty, this is what I'd been waiting my whole life for. And creation is waiting for us. God's children dressed in Christ to walk boldly to them and to love them. And they will be blown away, not slaves stuck in religion coming to serve them, but sons laying down their lives. How did Jesus show the fullness of sonship? This, he realized he had everything. And he came down to earth as a human and he laid down his life before sinners. And he gave up, the one who had everything, gave up everything and revealed the fullness of sonship. And just at that moment, the kingdom of God came with power. And in the resurrection is the fullness of life now for all of us. Listen to me. In your life, you are God's son. You are God's daughter. That is who you are. He's always with you. You have to work hard to get to him. You have to pray to become a child. You are a child. You're always with him. But now we model sonship. We walk up to those around us and they may, they may accuse us. They may lie to us. They may bully us. But when Christ has walked up to them, we go and though he's given us everything, we lay down our lives before them and we serve them. As God's sons, spending time with our Father. And listen to me, the kingdom of God comes. The kingdom of God comes when sons and daughters will realize we are with the Father. Let's walk with Him. He's given us everything we have. I don't go in there with my own boldness. I go in there with His boldness. I don't go in there by myself. I go in there one with the Holy Spirit. I don't go in there with my own love. I go in there with His love. And now I lay down my life boldly. And the kingdom of God changes a city. There is amazing things you can do. And it looks like this. Realize who you are. Realize who you're with. And now go bring the kingdom because it's yours. Everything he has, he's given to you. This is my third point, And I love this third point. I love it. I love it, but I'm going to need a drink. Because it's a lovely warm day. My last name is Scrimger. There was a war in the 12th century. And the king was not at his palace, at his castle. He was somewhere else staying. And this rebellion came to take out the king. And they rushed into this place where he was staying. And the king drew his sword out. And this knight came in called Alexander. And together with the knight, the king actually killed six people from the rebellion trying to take his life. And they got on their horses and they rode off. And they found their army. And then they came back. And they found the rebellion and it was the king's army versus the rebellion. And they couldn't break through. The king's army couldn't. 
couldn't break through. And the king said, Alexander, the man who escaped with the knight, he said, give him the flag. And he took the flag and he went right into the enemy's lines. And it said this, it said that Alexander was like a rampaging lion with his sword. And he broke the enemy's lines and he turned the battle and they broke the rebellion that day. And the king said, bring me Alexander. And they brought him Alexander. And the king said, from now on, Alexander, you will be my flag bearer. And your son will be, my, will be the king's flag bearers. And your son's sons. And the legacy from then on will be that the, king, that the king's flag bearers will always be scrimmages. He broke the enemy's lines and then he raised up a great legacy. And I want to tell you this, that there is an enemy line in our city and in your family and in your neighborhood and in your workplace and with your group of friends that you study with. There's an enemy's lines and God has called us as his children to ride right in there with the love of Jesus Christ, with the boldness of Christ, with the gospel of the kingdom and to lay down our lives. And just as we break the lines, just like with Alexander, a great legacy came forward. God wants us to raise up a legacy behind us because everything in the kingdom of God has legacy. It goes on and on and on and on. And I tell you this, if you're living as a slave, if you're serving God as a slave, then slaves will raise up slaves and their legacy will be slavery, slavery to religion. But if you're living as God's daughter, then you'll raise up daughters. You'll raise up daughters who love God. And I want to encourage you. And this is my third point. Is that number one, think from a place of sonship and daughtership. Let that be your thinking. Don't let any thought in your mind that it's not there. This is who you are. My second point is this. Now minister out of place of sonship. Lay down your life. He's given you everything. Pour it out. And this is my third point. Raise up a legacy of sons in your life. Who in this church can disciple you? In your sonship. Who in this church can you open up your life to and say, hey, I, I actually want to be, I want to be fathered. I want to be discipled. I want to be discipled. Get to your cell group. Get discipled. Listen, learn, listen to the message. Let it go right into you. Let it change the way you think. Think in a place of sonship. And then also don't just be sunned and raised up. Raise up those around you. Pour out, pour out, pour out. My son is four, is six years old and he's raising up four children with compassion. So don't tell me you can't raise up sons and daughters. And I say, Pete, I want you to give him Bible verses. I want you to pray for them and he does. And he's sowing into their life at the age of six. He's already raising up disciples in the nations. And I tell you, you can raise up those around you. And it might just start with a little thing. How can you share what God's given you? What's the gold God's given you that you can pass on to the next generation? Raise up a legacy of sons and daughters. I want to share a story about two of the children I sponsor, Gracie and Pichita. Their, their region where they're from was devastated by drugs. The enemy line was strong. It was an unreached people group before the pastor came along and he planted a church there and he said, I'd share the gospel with the, with the adults and I just didn't want to hear anything about it. They just weren't, it wasn't part of their culture, Christianity at all. And he started doing the sponsorship program 
And they started discipling the children and giving the children all the education, the compassion, the compassion runs for their local church. So now these children in this community were getting education and, and health care. They're getting tutored through the church. They're getting nutritious food. He said, I go tell the gospel to the parents. And the parents would be like, yes, we want to hear about it. He said to me, there's 600 children in our church and the four churches that were planted that were with compassion children. He said, 95% of these children are now Christian. And then he said to me this, he said, in my community, there was 140 families. He said, 100 of those families are now Christian and being discipled. He said, there's a region to the north now. And this is also in the Golden Triangle. So it's OPM in, in Thailand. It's, it's actually not too far from where you guys are focusing and playing with the children, which is also in the Golden Triangle where there's a lot of opium. And if you get caught in Thailand growing opium, it's, it's the death penalty. And so these children, their actual legacy is my parents grow opium, I'll grow opium, my children will grow opium until someone comes along and says, hey, I love you. I want to change that style. I want to give you education and healthcare and nutritious food and we're going to sponsor you. And this local church now, which, which where these two children are from, They've now sending 40 of these compassion children up at a time in teams to do missions into this region to the north. They're planting a church there this year and they're going to bring in 400 children of these who in this opium region and start to love them and disciple them. And they're going to change the legacy of this place from opium farmers to Christian leaders who are transformative and change agents for Thailand. This is what the gospel looks like. This is what the gospel looks like. This is what the gospel looks like. Our generation want to do more than just hear the gospel. They need to see the gospel. Listen to me. There is an orphan generation in our city. And they need to see fathered and they need to see children who are God, the sons of God, the daughters of God revealed. The orphan generation needs to see the son generation, the daughter generation of God raised up. The orphan generation in Ompang, they need to see God's children raised up and discipled. This is what they're waiting for. This is what creation is waiting for. I want to tell you that when I built a deck with my dad, 130 square meters deck. That's like the size of this room. We built it together. My father, me, and my son. And my father, he would take his hammer and do one hit, bang, the nail is in the deck. I would go two hits, dang, dang. Okay, it was more like four or five. Dun, 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 dun. It was in there. And then Pete would get in there as well. And he'd be like, and it would finally get in there. And do you know what? It takes longer to raise up the next generation. It actually takes longer. It's easier just to grow yourself in God. It takes longer to stop and let someone else learn with you and disciple them. But you know what? It's exponential. Now my son was working the deck with me. Trent knows. You saw it, Trent. You saw Pete with the hammer. Let's raise up a legacy here of sons and daughters, let's disciple them, let's help them change their thinking, let's help them minister as sons and daughters, and let's raise up a legacy in Ompang of God's children. This place has been devastated by drugs and poverty and war. There are so many of these children whose parents are refugees, so they don't even have their residency in Thailand. 
What does that mean when you want to get a job and you're not even a resident because your parents came across from Myanmar as refugees? This little boy, you can see he's wearing Karen garments. That's probably his, his issue that he's got. But we want to bring the gospel transformation to their life and raise them up as God's sons and daughters that their region needs. I want to finish with one story, and this is Richmond. And, and Richmond was just a boy when his dad was shot. And then he said, he said, there was a church in my slum, but I could never go because every day I was running around looking for food. My whole day would just be running through the slum looking for food. So I knew there was a church there, but I'd never go. One day, a 15-year-old girl, sponsored Richmond. She took on a babysitting job to sponsor him, to raise him up as her legacy in the nations. Richmond then became the pastor of his church. After that, Compassion sent him to Moody Bible College. He came back and started teaching other pastors how to preach the Bible, not how to preach stories in his country and three other countries. 4,800 pastors have now gone through his pastor's discipleship network because a 15-year-old girl said, I'm going to reach out to this little boy who lives in the slums and I'm going to start to write him letters. I'm going to love him. I'm going to pray for him. And now he is changing the world. He is transforming cities and nations. It's who he is as God's child. I want to tell you that God wants to pour through your life to those around you and to these children. I want to ask you two questions. Number one, who in your life can you serve in Christ as God's child? Who can you serve? Who is there that as God's child, you can go and start to love them or pour into their life? And number two, and I ask you this boldly, can you sponsor a child on that table and spiritually adopt them and to sow into their life and to write to them and to pray for them and to encourage them. And some of you, it might be sponsoring multiple children as well. Let's pray. Actually, before we pray, I just want to share that if you do want to sponsor a child, uh, it's $11 a week. We'll write your first letter afterwards on the table. And then we'll get a photo of you so we can send them the first letter and the table. So when they find out that they're sponsored, they'll get a letter from you and a picture. And obviously, you can go visit the area and visit the children and, and just love on them. But we'll pray now. And then I'm going to show you this last video. And then during the video, the band can come up. Lord, we pray, Lord Jesus, that we will not belittle what you have done on the cross to bring us into sonship and daughtership. Lord, we pray that you would, Lord, grow us in you, Lord. Where has our thinking been slavery, Lord? Where has our thinking been, I'm not worthy to be your son, so I'm not going to be with you, Father. Lord, we give you those thoughts right now and we put them on the cross, buried at the cross. This is not who we are. We're not separated from you as slaves. We're your children. And I declare right now as we pray, you are the child of God. He is always with you and everything He has is yours. Amen.